this morning to Romans chapter 8 together. Romans chapter 8, and Lord willing, this morning we're going to cover verses 5 through 13 as we continue our journey through the book of Romans. Because look what it says in verse 5. It says, For those who live according to the flesh, they set their mind on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh, they cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness but if the spirit of him who raised jesus from the dead dwells in you he who raised christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you therefore brethren we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh for if you live according to the flesh you will die but if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body then you will live. We come now to this amazing chapter, Romans chapter 8. And I really pray that God would take his word and plant it in your heart that you may not sin against him. I really pray that you would take to heart these words here because really it's the key to victory in in life as a Christian. You know, we have this battle going on, you guys. How are we going to win this battle? 19 times in Romans chapter 8, Paul the Apostle speaks of the Holy Spirit. You know, we try to live this life on our own and we're not going to make it. But if we yield ourselves to him, then we will not only survive, but we will thrive in life for the glory of God and the good of his people. You know, there's a really important scripture over in Galatians chapter 5 verse 25 And the Bible says, if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. And so the first question this morning is, do you live in the spirit? Are you really a Christian? Have you truly yielded your life to Christ? I mean, that's where it's, you know, it's got to start right there. If we live in the spirit. But if you do, the Bible says, let us also walk in in the spirit and that's where we need to be you guys you know warren wiersbe in looking at this uh, chapter right here this section right here he kind of divides it up into three sections he says number one you have not the spirit of christ there are some people who really don't know the lord and they have not the spirit of christ and then he talks about a second category of people who have the spirit of christ they they know the lord And so there are those who have not the spirit. There are those who have the spirit. But then there are those in which the spirit has you. And you're not just saved, but you're yielded to God. You are walking not in the flesh, but you are walking in the spirit. 
You know, I think in all honesty, I think if we're honest, you guys, and we take a really deep evaluation of the church today, I would say that much of the church is walking in the flesh. They're doing what they want according to their will. And they are not walking in the spirit. And that's why Paul, the apostle here in Romans chapter 8, he brings up such an important principle for us. And we're going to look at it in just a lot of different angles. And we're going to see a whole ton of things that are important for us as Christians so that we can have that victory in this life that we live. You know, one of the things that uh, I, I don't know what's going on in my life, you guys. I, I'm, I don't know if it's because I'm getting older or what. But I've noticed that as I've gotten older, um, certain portions of my hair are not going in the direction that I would like them to go. I don't know if you guys experience this or not, but this section of my hair right here is going up and sideways. And, you know, prior to that, I'd always wanted it to go back, and it used to go back. It used to, you know, cooperate with me. I'd put gel in there, a little hairspray, and boom, everything would go back. But it's weird. Now everything goes up and to the side, and I'm fighting, and I'm like, man, I don't understand what's going on with my with my hair, you know? And, you know, I guess uh, I have to live with it. Anyways, here's the thing, man. That's just my hair, and that's just me, Right? But now what we're talking about today is human beings. We are talking about human beings created in the image of God. We're talking about human beings and God. Human beings should not be going their own way, doing their own thing. They should be doing what God wants. If God wants you to go forward, you go forward. You stop going backwards. You stop going sideways. You yield your life to him. You were saying, but I've tried to do it and I can't do it. Well, it's because you're not yielding your, 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 your life to the loving Holy Spirit who wants to make those changes. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And Paul's going to give us a whole bunch of reasons and just really helpful aids in order that we might be able to fulfill the calling that God has on our life. Look what he says right here again in verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh, they set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Now, verse 5, if you're taking notes, is a revelation. It's a revelation of what? Of whether or not you really know the Lord. That's all it is. He says, if you really know the Lord, then you're going to have a changed mind. That's what he says For those who live according to the flesh, they set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. Here we see the Lord reveals really, you know, the two forms of life that are out there. One is physical, one is spiritual. Remember what Jesus said in John chapter 3 verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. If you're born of the flesh, you're just going to think about things of the flesh. But if you're born of the spirit, you will think of things of the spirit. If you have the life of the spirit, you will think about the things that are above. And what this is right here is an indicator of where you're at. You see, you can tell not just something about a person, but everything about a person by the inventory of the thoughts that dominate your life. And so how is your thought life how is your mind what are the things that you're passionate about inside your you know your mind are your thoughts of the flesh or of the spirit 
Do they consist of things above or things below? Are they things that are temporary or things that are eternal? It's very important, you guys, that we capture every thought. The Bible says to bring every thought into captivity. That's why Paul wrote in Colossians 3, verse 1 and 2, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Question, has your mind changed? Do you think about things of the Lord? Do you think about things that are eternal, things that are heavenly? Or are they temporary? Are they earthly? Are they below? How's your thinking? See, it needs to be theological. Your brain needs to be biblical. Your heart needs to be heavenly. Our mind needs to be yielded to the master. Really, verse 5 is a revelation of where you're at. What do you think about all the time? What's the master passion of your life? You know, I got to be honest with you. It it was kind of a, a, a weird thing going through the study You know, I remember when I got saved, you guys, and I'm definitely not in any way, you know, boasting in any way. You know, when I got saved, August 20th, 1989, you know, I went forward and received Christ as my Lord and Savior. And from that day forward, my whole life changed. My my outlook, my thoughts, my mentality, it all changed. Suddenly I woke up in the morning and I wanted to pray. I wanted to read my Bible. I wanted to go to fellowship. I wanted to serve the Lord. You know, and you wake up and you look at the creation and you see the beauty of God's trees and the birds that are singing. You're grateful to him. And it's like everything you do and every relationship you have, it's got like a spiritual, you know, angle to it. And now when I'm watching the Laker game with my son, you know, it's not just me watching the Laker game with my son. It's me loving my son because I want my son to serve Jesus Christ. Everything now becomes spiritual. Nothing that I do is carnal. Everything is about him. Every relationship that I have, you know, going to Joe's graduation yesterday, you know, we celebrated him graduating from Cal State Fullerton. You know, it wasn't just that, though. It's about, you know, what the Lord is going to do in his life now, how God is going to use his life now. Everything now becomes spiritual. Now, is that me? No. I'm not, you know, you know, over here rewiring my brain. It's not me. It's because I'm saved now. It's because the spirit of God lives inside of me. And now all my thoughts are just, you know, they come from that spiritual angle. And so you can check out where you're at, whether or not you know the Lord by where your thoughts are. And that's all Paul is saying. He really is. Of course, there is that practical application, you know, encouraging us to make sure our thoughts and and mind and mentality is right. But it's just a revelation of where we're at. It's so important, you guys, that we understand this concept. You know, one time in the ministry of Jesus Christ, he was filling his disciples in on the fact that he was about to die on the cross You guys can read about it in Matthew chapter 16. You guys remember, you know, um, the Lord said, hey, I'm about to die. I'm going to suffer. And and remember what Peter did? Do you guys remember that story right there? Peter said, far be it from you, Lord. He took him aside and he began to rebuke him. Never. Not going to happen to you. He was, you know, showing his love and everything supposedly, right? But what did Jesus say to Peter? He said, get behind me, Satan. You are not mindful 
of the things of God, but the things of men. You see, our mind has to be filled with the things of God and not the things of men. You know, Peter wanted to prevent Jesus from going to the cross. And you may think in the things that you're doing that you're giving wise counsel, but if your mind is not yielded to the Holy Spirit, then you might actually be going against the will of God. And that's why Colossians 3, 1 and 2, it says, set your mind on things above. You see, for Peter, the problem was his mind, and it wasn't surrendered to the master. His thinking wasn't theological. He has set his mind on things below, not on things above. He had been seduced by Satan. How about you? Has God really changed your mind? You might even be here today thinking, well, I, I want to serve in the ministry, man. I want to be you know, a pastor, I want to be a missionary, I want to be, you know, whatever it is. But why? Why do you want to be all those things? Have you really examined your motive? You see, our mind needs to be washed and it needs to be surrendered to the master. And what we see here, guys, in looking at this is it's very important for us to understand that our mind is a revelation of where we're at. It's important that we look and see that God would show us because notice the result there in the next verse. It says, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. What does the Bible say? It says, if we have that carnal mind, it will lead to death. But if we have that spiritual mind, it will lead to life and peace. And so the first thing in verse 5 is the revelation. The second thing is verse 6 is the result. The person that simply thinks of things below, you know, functioning under that fallen nature, only thinks on things that are temporary. And basically, he's on a highway to hell. That's what the Bible says. It's a doorway to, it's a destiny of death. But the person that thinks about things above, the things of the spirit, the things that are eternal, this individual is on a highway to heaven. That's what the Bible says. And it's life and that more abundantly, it's peace. Not just, you know, one day when we're in paradise, but it's peace even now on planet Earth. And so what God wants to do, you guys, is God wants to capture your mind. You guys remember that saying, a soul, a thought, reap an action. You sow an action, you reap a habit. You sow a habit, you reap a character. And you sow a character and you reap a destiny. You see, and it all begins where? It begins there in the mind. One leads to death. One leads to life and peace. If you remember earlier in Romans chapter 5, Paul said in verse 1, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so you can tell where you're at based on what you're thinking, man. Whether or not your thinking is about the Lord, the things that are eternal, the things that are heavenly, or if they're just about the earth and the things that are below and the things that are earthly. And God will show you through your thought life where your destiny is. We see here the revelation. We see here the result. We see in verse 7 the reason. 
He says, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. The carnal mind, just thinking about things below. You don't know the Lord. You don't think about heaven. You don't think about eternity. You don't think about the ministry, man. That right there, it says right there, is enmity. That individual is enmity against God. Now, the NIV and the New Living Translation, they use the word hostile. You see, the carnal mind is absolutely against, it's strongly opposed to God. The sinful mind and nature are actually hostile to God. The root Greek word speaks of a bitter enemy. And so those people who don't know the Lord, who don't have that thought process, they're not just filled with hostility, they're filled with hatred. And therefore, the reasoning is, we're going to see that they cannot please God. Notice again in verse 8, the same thing. So then those who are in the flesh... They cannot please God. You see, and sometimes we wonder, why is the world the way it is? And why do they do the things that they do? And it's not just that they will not please God. We got to remember, you guys, it's that they cannot please God. And this is what Paul is teaching us here. You know, the revelation of what you're thinking, that shows where you're at. And then we see, as you go on here, the results of that and the reason for that and the reality of that is that an individual like that, they cannot please God. And yet, if you think about it, isn't that what it's all about, you guys? You know, we're here this morning and we're here, um, hopefully, because God has laid a conviction on our hearts to seek him with all that we are, with all our heart and soul and mind and strength. You know, I know some people go to church for different reasons. They go to, you know, check out the chicks or they go, maybe they come, you know, because they want this, uh, I want to check off that mark as far as what I've done is my religious duty. Some people even go to church to criticize the church, man. They're looking for flaws. They're not really looking for the father, right? You know, but I pray that we would come, you guys, this morning to seek the Lord. Because I know that if we seek him, With all of our heart, the Bible promises that we will find him. You know, why am I here? Why are you here? I pray that the reason that your heart beats, that the reason why you live life is so that you might please the Lord. You know, that's all I pray when I pray for the church. You know, I pray, Lord, that when you look at this church, I know we're not perfect. I know we're sinners because i've seen a lot of these people lord and you know we're all messed up lord but you know what generally speaking lord let our hearts be inclined towards you and father when you look at my life when you look at this church let me please you oh but they might not like you and she might not like you and that group might not like you and you know what that's okay we are here to please the Lord. You know, those who don't know the Lord, it's understandable. We've got to understand the fact that they cannot please God. They will not please God. But we who are Christians, here the implication is that we can please God. That when God looks at your life, that there would be a big smile and say, look at my son, look at my daughter, look at the way that they love me and they love the world. I pray that that would be your goal in life, 
that that would be your heart to please your maker, your maintainer, your creator, the one who cares for you constantly. You know, the world can't please him. They never will. But Christians can. And that's why Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 5, 9, Therefore we make our aim, whether present or absent, what? To be well-pleasing to him. You know, one day when we die, of course we want to be pleasing to him, covered with the righteousness of Christ, because that's forever and ever. But even now, while we live, Paul says we make it our aim. This is our goal, to be well-pleasing to God. And so Paul right here, he gives us the revelation that what you think shows where you're at. He gives us the result that if you're thinking about things that are earthly, then it's death. But if you're thinking about things that are heavenly, it's life and peace. He gives us the reason and that he tells us that the natural mind is actually hostile and shows hatred to God. And therefore, he gives us the reality that if you're walking in the flesh, you cannot please God. But then he gives us the residence there in verse 9. And he says, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. You're here today and you're thinking, well, how can I walk in the spirit? I want to do what's right. I want to please the Lord. I want to, you know, fulfill the calling on my life that he knitted me together in my mother's womb to fulfill. Well, we got to know this, that the Holy Spirit, as you're a Christian, he lives inside of you, man. I know that if you're a Christian and, you know, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, then he is constantly speaking to you. But a lot of times we're not listening. And he's kind of trying to, you know, lean you towards the right way. But we resist the Holy Spirit. We grieve the Holy Spirit. We quench the Holy Spirit. And what Paul is trying to say, and he's going to move towards this in in a greater way as we continue down the book of Romans, is that if you're a Christian the Holy Spirit takes up residence within you. Now, I know for a lot of you here, you've heard that a million times, right? The Holy Spirit lives inside of you as a Christian. But man, I pray that the power of that truth would never fade away. Can you do what God wants you to do? Can you love the unlovable? Can you overcome when they push your buttons? Can you change the world? Yes. Why? How? Because God lives inside of you as a Christian. You know, in the Old Testament, it was symbolic in the tabernacle. When they made the tabernacle and the glory of God was there, it was a fire by night, it was a cloud of pillar by day. And the Lord God was there present in the tabernacle. And then... Later in the temple, Solomon built it and they had another temple that was, you know, built later. That was the temple where God lived. We have the tabernacle, then the temple. And then when Jesus came to earth, God was in him. He tabernacled in him. And so you have the tabernacle, you have the temple, you have Jesus. And you're thinking, wow, these are three pretty amazing things, right? But 
Now you have the church. And if you read the Bible carefully, he lives in the church universally, he lives in the church congregationally, and he lives in the church personally. Isn't that what Jesus promised? He said to the disciples, he's with you, but he will be in you. And as Christians today, and Paul is moving towards this amazing thing in which he wants us to walk in the Spirit, he begins by telling us that the Holy Spirit takes up residency in you. If the Holy Spirit's not inside of you, then you're not a Christian. If you are a Christian, then the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And we're going to see this makes a huge difference in our life. As a matter of fact, look what it says there in verse 10. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. We see in our study today, it's kind of like a smorgasbord. If you're taking notes, and some of you are, and you write down all these different words, what you can do is you can go home and you can meditate on each one, and each one stands alone. The revelation we saw in verse 5, as far as our thinking, showing who we are. The result, life or death. The reason, because the carnal man can't please God. And that's the reality we see there, that, you know, the carnal man, there's absolutely no way. The resident is the Holy Spirit. And then we see the righteousness that God provides. You know, the body in one sense is dead, and that is the the fall of man, the fall of grace, the fall from all that is good. You know, we studied earlier that as Christians, you know, we kind of have this body of death that we're carrying around and we're trying to overcome. But man, many times, you know, it's a battle, you know, and we have this, but When the spirit lives inside of us, even though we have this body of death, we saw that Jesus Christ is the one that delivers us from that. You know, when we look at verse 10 right here, we see that even though the outward man is perishing, the inward man is being renewed day by day. You know, the book of Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 and chapter 4 verse 30 They teach us that all believers have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? He really wanted them to know that. And as a result of that, if Christ lives in us, and that's kind of interesting because he's talking about the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, Now he talks about Christ living inside of us. That even though we have this sin nature dead in sin and dying due to sin, that there is life because of the righteousness of Christ. And what is that life, you guys? In all honesty, what is that life? It's a relationship with God. Do you have that relationship? You know, do you talk to him? Do you spend time with him in prayer? Do you walk with him? Do you walk like him? That's really what life is. You know, death there in the garden was a severance, a separation from God. But life in the next garden, the Garden of Gethsemane, and there on the cross of Calvary, it provides a relationship with him, you guys. 
You know, I love spending time, you guys, in the church, and I love going and doing different things in the ministry. You know, um, even, you know, being able to teach the word and just fellowship with the brothers and the sisters. But the highlight of my day is my quiet time with the Lord. It really is. And that's what life is, you guys. I pray that you would have that life that you would have that conviction inside of you, man, to be able to spend time with him, to be able to go into your closet and to get down on your knees and to have that sweet fellowship with the Lord. You know, our outward man is is dying, you know, because of sin. And, you know, we're getting older and uh, things are happening to our bodies, you know, both physically and spiritually, you know, the sin nature. But how is... Your inward man. I was talking to a sister the other day. And you know, uh, it's, it, her heart goes out to him, man. Because, you know, they're going through some struggles. They're having some difficulties. And, uh, you know, you just, uh, you're like, Lord, that's why we're here, Lord. We want to be able to minister to the people, Lord. We want to be able to just ask you, Lord God, to be the one to touch their life. You know, sometimes I think, you guys, and I don't know if you guys ever go through this or not, but sometimes, you know, people are going through struggles and, um, and you think that you're the answer. Well, you know what? If I just go and take them to lunch, I'm sure they're going to get better. You know, if I go and I get involved and I take them and I disciple them one by one, I'm sure they're going to get better. And you know what I've learned in life is that you are not the answer. You know, if God leads you to do something cool, then you go for it and you follow the Lord and you do what he's called you to do. But what I found many times in my own life is that when I get involved, I mess it up. And they become worse than they were before. Why? Because they don't need me. They need the Lord. They really do. And so you get on your face and you begin to pray for them and they begin to learn and God comes down. See, that's what we want. You know, I could prop you up. I could tell you, okay, read your Bible for an hour, pray for an hour and go to church every single week. Get involved in ministry and you can go through all the robotic motions and you can learn like the external conduct of a Christian. But when you die, you're going to be surprised you're not going to go to heaven. What do we really want the Lord to do? We want the Lord to do a work, not from the outside, but from the inside. That's what we want, you guys. You know, if you're here today and you're not enjoying your life as a Christian, if you're not exalting God, if you're not edifying the body, if you find yourself feeling like you're out of place and you're out of sync, you know, God wants to do a work. But you really need to surrender to him. Don't go living your life trying to please men or me or anyone else. Because that's not going to do you any good. You really need to go and you need to live your life. And you need to please God. And you have that relationship with God. And let me tell you something. This is what I found out. You know, Chuck Smith, he talks about this all the time. When your relationship with God is right... That, you know, vertical relationship, when your relationship with God is right, 
then other relationships, they, they kind of, you know, fall into place. That's the way it is. You know, we're getting ready to do this couple seminar. And, you know, there's still a couple of spots open. If you guys want to go, it's going to be over there at Calvary Chapel, La Cañada. And if you're a married couple here today and you find yourself going through some struggles, which I think all of you are now, <laughs> you know, maybe you can sign up. But the, the theme of the, of, the, of, the, of the seminar is strengthening your relationship. Strengthening your relationship. I was thinking, Lord, how does a married couple strengthen their relationship? And you know what the Lord showed me? He said it's very simple. Number one, the husband and the wife individually need to strengthen their relationship with God. It is not going to go anywhere until husband and wife strengthen their relationship with God. Secondly, husband and wife together need to strengthen their relationship with God as a couple. You see what I'm saying? Where they get together and they pray together. They get together and they read together. They get together and they seek the Lord. And so first it's the individual strengthening of the relationship. Then it's the couples together strengthening their relationship. And then the Lord showed me what ends up happening is husband and wife, they strengthen their relationship with each other. They begin to communicate. They begin to, you know, fall into that unity that they need to have, the oneness that they need to have together in their relationship, looking into each other's eyes. Husband thinking of her first, wife thinking of him, you know, loving and leading, supporting and submitting. See, it begins first with the individual relationship, then the together relationship with God, then the relationship with each other, And then if you really want to strengthen your relationship, husband and wife, you begin to have other relationships with other couples and you begin to fellowship with each other. But why would you want to go and fellowship with other couples if you're not even right with the Lord or with each other? You see, it begins with the Lord. Then you together seek the Lord. Then you help each other, man. And then you go out and you ask God to bring other godly couples into your life that you can fellowship with. You see, because that's what the Lord wants to do. If you're here today and your marriage is struggling, you know, don't just go and and let your pride defeat you. We've got to humble ourselves. We've got to get our lives right with the Lord. You see, because the Holy Spirit will give us the power to do that. And then Paul builds on this whole thing. And then in verse 11, he says, But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. And so in looking at the text here, we see number one, the revelation. Number two, the results. Number three, the reason. Number four, the reality. Number five, the resident of the Holy Spirit. Number six, the righteousness of Christ. And then number seven, the resurrection of the Lord. And you know, that same spirit who raised Christ from the dead lives inside of you. And one day when we die, he will raise us as well. I can't wait for that day, that day, you guys, when we are finally home. We have our new body. You know, no more gray hairs, man. No more yellow toenails. I mean, you know, you name it, man. God is going to do a new work. I'll probably be a little taller. I'll probably be a little buffer. 
I cannot wait for that day. But this is really the hope, that I may know him and what? The power of his resurrection, you guys. That's what Paul is saying right here. You know, he's talking to the Romans, and we're going to see later that the Romans, uh, the Roman church, they were going through a lot of things. There was a lot of suffering going on in their life. And I know for a lot of you here, you're going through hard times in your life. I know you are. I mean, so many things that are happening in your own life. And God just really wants us to know that he has given us the power of the resurrection. That we're not home yet. That we're fish out of water. One day we'll be home. Let that heavenly habitation be not just a destination, but a motivation. Let that hope of heaven even help you on earth. Man, we're just passing through, you see. And looking at this, Paul, here in verse 12, he gives us the conclusion. He says, therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. See, it's kind of interesting the way that Paul is writing here in the book of Romans. It's kind of like the way that we are on a Sunday morning. You know, a Sunday morning, here we have people that might not know the Lord, especially second service. First service people, you guys are usually more, more know the Lord, man. But second service, man, is crazy. No, I'm just joking. Anyways, <laughs> what ends up happening, man, is you've got Christians here and you've got non-Christians here. And Paul is writing to both. And he's trying to tell the non-Christian, listen, man, if your mind is way out there, then you don't know the Lord. You need to come to know the Lord. But if you're a Christian here today, you need to make sure that you walk in the Spirit. Like I read in Galatians 5, verse 25, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. You see, that's the calling that God has on our life. You know, verse 12 talks about how we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. Because if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But here we are debtors to what? But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. You know, earlier in the book of Romans chapter 1, Paul said he had an obligation to preach the gospel. He was a debtor. That's what the Bible says in Romans 1.14. I am a debtor both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to wise and to unwise. So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. And you know, I read that verse right there and I think, hey, Manny, you know, that's for you, man. You're a debtor. You're a debtor. You've got to preach the gospel, right? But there's more to it, Manny. There's more. Because if you go over to the book of Romans chapter 8, he says what? I am a debtor. I am under obligation to put to death the deeds of the body. See, I'm a debtor to that as well. Now I have a different obligation or debt to pay. You know, not to live according to the flesh. Man, that's so easy. You know, yesterday I came home from Joe's graduation, and I'll be honest with you, everything inside of me wanted to watch the Laker game. I wanted to watch the Laker game so bad. I'm thinking, oh man, you know, I, I don't know if you guys have that pull inside of you, you know, but I knew that I had to study. And you're thinking, you studied? Yeah, I did study, man, I did. 
And so, you know, it was cool. There was a battle. The flesh wanted to watch the game and the spirit wanted to go and, and study. Now, don't get me wrong. If you watch the game, it doesn't mean you're in sin. Okay, maybe, but probably not, okay? <laughs> but listen, for me, that was a battle. But I have an obligation. I had an obligation. And so what I did was I went and I studied until my son got home. And then when my son got home, I wanted to watch the game with him. There was a different spiritual reason as well. Honest, there was. <laughs> we have that battle going on. You see, we have an obligation now to what? To walk according to the Spirit. You guys, look what he says right here. For if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, then you will live. Listen, can I say something to you guys today? If you're here today and you have not put to death the deeds of the body, and you know what I'm talking about, you keep drinking, you keep smoking, you keep sleeping around, you keep doing things over and over and over again that you know are sin, then you are losing the assurance of your salvation. That's how important it is. But if by the Spirit we put to death the deeds of the body, now the Greek word right there, to put to death, it means to kill someone. It means to hand someone over to execution. If by the Spirit you put to death those things, then, Paul says, it shows that you're alive. And that's what we need to do, you guys, in life as Christians. John Stott said, there is a kind of life that leads to death. And there is a kind of death that leads to life. And we need to put to death the members of our body. You know, what is Paul speaking of right here? Well, he's speaking about mortification. You know, he's speaking about us when we see the recognition of evil, making a radical and decisive decision to repudiate that, to kill that. How does mortification take place? Well, he says right there, we put it to death. God won't do it for you, but by the Spirit, we put it to death. Well, why should I do it? Well, the Bible says right there, because if you do, then you will live. And so it's so cool in going through Romans. A lot, a lot here, you guys. You know, what we see as Christians is that position encourages practice, but at the same time, man, practice reveals position. Question for you. Has God changed your mind? Do you think about the things of the Lord? Does that dominate your thoughts? Man, I pray that it would. You know, there might be some today who have not the Spirit. If you're here today and you're not really a Christian, I really encourage you, man, not to leave without getting down on your knees and asking God to come into your life. And if you do, if you get down on your knees and you pray that prayer, turning from sin and trusting in the Lord, then he will meet you right there. There are those who have not the spirit. There are those who have the spirit. And that's good. You Christians, I'm so proud of you that you have yielded your life to the Lord. But there's one more thing. And that is there are those in whom the spirit has you. Does the Holy Spirit really have you today? Are you yielded to him and his love? Man, I pray that you are, you guys, so that we can go out 
And we can be salt in the earth. We can be light in the darkness. That God would use your life for his glory. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your word, Lord. And there is so much here, Lord. But I think in a nutshell, I think of that verse, Lord, a couple of verses. The commandment to love the Lord our God with all our heart and soul and mind and strength. Lord, help us to love you with our mind. To really be real, Lord, today, I pray, Father. And also, I just pray, Lord, like your word says, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. We thank you so much, Father, for the work you're doing in our life. Lord, I thank you that your people belong to you. And like your word says, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Lord, let us surrender this morning to being your workmanship. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.